before we start the message. I can't remember if I've read this joke to you or not. It says, his request approved, the CNN news photographer quickly used his cell phone to call the local airport to charter a flight. Does that sound familiar? Okay. I can't hear. My ear is plugged. There. Can you hear me now? Okay. A CNN news photographer quickly used his cell phone to call a local airport and charter a flight. He was told a twin-engine plane would be waiting for him at the airport. Arriving at the airport, he spotted a plane warming up outside a hangar. He jumped in with his bag, slammed the door shut, and shouted, Let's go! The pilot taxied out, swung the plane into the wind, and took off. Once in the air, the photographer instructed the pilot, Fly over the valley and make low passes so I can take pictures of the fires on the hillsides. Why, asked the pilot, because I'm a photographer for CNN, he responded. I need to get some close-up shots. The pilot was strainly silent for a moment, and finally he stammered, so, so what you're telling me is you're not my flight instructor? Okay. Life's little irritants. The elevator stops on every floor and nobody gets on. You open a can of soup and the lid falls in. You've cut your finger and no matter how hard you pull, rip and scream, the band-aid won't open. I had that the other day with Carla. She did situation. Okay. Three hours in three meetings after lunch, you look into the mirror and discover you have a large piece of parsley stuck in your front teeth. Last one. It's bad enough that you step in dog poop, but you don't realize it till you walk across your living room rug. Tell me none of you've done that before, huh? Alrighty. This is Real Repentance, Part 2, 2 Timothy, Chapter 2. Second Timothy chapter 2, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness, and their word will eat as it doth a canker, of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his, and let every one that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strifes. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him 
at His will. At His will. And again, verse 25, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. You know, most of the time, that's what happens with your choices. Okay, when you're doing going with the flesh, you don't realize that you're opposing yourself in the place of blessing from God. It opposes themselves if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. Now, last week, last Wednesday, we spent some time looking at real repentance and how it involves the mind, the heart, the emotions, and the will. We finished with four hours of repentance and made a statement that real repentance will cause the sinner, whether you're saved or lost, to take action in direct contrast to his previous or former sinful actions. Repentance means to turn around. You turn around your thoughts, you turn around your heart, which will turn around your actions. Tonight we're going to look at how repentance, real repentance, is produced. The first thing I want you to know is only God can grant real repentance to anyone. Only God can. I want you to go to Acts chapter 11. See, repentance comes when you have conviction of the sinful action that's caused you that you need to repent of, or the, the unright thoughts that you need to repent of. Okay, so I want you to see in Acts chapter 11, look at verse 15. And as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them, as is on us at the beginning. And I remembered, and then, excuse me, then remembered I the word of the Lord, how that he said, John indeed baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. For as much then as God gave them the like gift as he did unto us, who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what, what was I? that I could withstand God. This is Peter preaching here, and he's talking about Peter had seen the sheet drop down out of heaven and things he's going to separate from, you know, because he'd never been, you know, defiled with anything unclean. And God's telling him, don't call that which I've made clean defiled. You see the different things with that. And he says, when they heard these things, they held their peace, glorified God, saying, hath God also to the Gentiles granted what? Repentance to life. The Jews didn't think the Gentiles could get saved. They didn't believe they could come to Christ. There were pagans. They didn't worship the same God. The God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament is the same God. Okay? They had to repent of their thinking. See, God grant that to the Gentiles. They couldn't believe it. And again, verse 25, in meekness instructing those, 2 Timothy 2.25, that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will what? Give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. So first thing I want you to know is that if it's real repentance, God's going to be the source of it. He's going to grant it in your life. Okay? I'm going to give you an illustration. There was a man, and so many times we don't understand. Okay? We don't understand what's going on. We turn around and we pray over something and we ask God to forgive it and we pray to Him again and we pray to Him again and we pray to Him again. And this is what this is about. And it says, A man was praying with his pastor at the altar. He, he prayed a prayer that the pastor had heard many times from this man before. He says, 
Lord, take the cobwebs out of my life. Just as he said this, the pastor interrupted and said, Kill the spider, Lord. Kill the spider. You keep praying over an incident and do nothing about what brings about the incident. You know, how many times do we ask the Lord to forgive us some sin, yet we leave the source of the temptation in our lives? Got to understand. You know, sometimes, you know, in the Old Testament, sometimes Israel asked for stuff they should never have had. And they kept asking God for it, and they kept asking God for it. You know what it says? He gave them requests, their request, but sent what? You have to deal with the hard issues on that. You know, I want you to understand something. This, for there to be real repentance, God has to grant it. Because in and of our flesh, we like to say, I'm sorry. We don't like to actually judge that and to truly repent of it. Okay, God will always use some means to persuade the unrepentant. Okay? First thing I want you to see is I want you to turn to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. The first thing I want you to know that God will use, and this is what we're going to look at tonight. This will be the second. I'm pretty sure this is going to be a three-part message. I don't think it'll be four. But he uses means to persuade the unrepentant. If faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, okay, repentance also will be brought about by God's word. So Romans chapter 1, verse 16, very famous passage, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed, from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. The preaching of the gospel is needed to bring repentance that leads to salvation. The good news of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The message of the early church was repentance towards God and faith towards Jesus Christ. So there needs to be the preaching of God's word. There needs to be the preaching of the good news. I watched at different times with our kids once they got a little bit older. Okay, because when they're little, you know what you tell them when they're doing wrong? Stop it. Why? Because I told you so. Always like that in a, a John Wayne movie. Oh, preacher watches a movie. Yeah, it's called Big Jake. And his sons were going against him. And they were being disrespectful. They didn't like something about him. And he turned around and he clocked them. Okay? And he says, if you won't respect your elders, you're going to respect your better. You want to be careful. Because you know who your better is every time? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. And... Faith cometh by hearing. Okay, how do you repent? You need to know, can a person understand sin if they don't know that they've sinned? Can they repent of something they don't realize it's sin? No. So the gospel needs to come where that's how you get someone saved. It is good to give them their testimony how you got saved, as long as you include the conviction of sin that God laid on your heart to bring you to the Savior. Okay? 
but they also need Scripture. Because the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is good news. Amen? Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. The preaching of the Gospel. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power. That's 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction, in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Ghost, so that ye were examples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also into every place your faith to God were to spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. For they themselves show us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how ye, remember told you it's a turning? You turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. God will use the preaching of the gospel to bring people to repentance. They need to hear that more than they need to know that you are their friend. Now, it helps that you work on being their friend. When you listen to the missionary letters so many times, like I said, the one missionary drinking coffee at a time when, man, he can't sleep because he's up all night doing this. He's trying to befriend somebody. Okay, you heard the missionary talk about wanting to be able to witness to his brother and God changed that all around for him. And so he honored his brother's request and then God gave him openings. And But what did he have to give him? Scripture. So the first thing I want you to see, God will use the preaching of the gospel to persuade men. We saw it in the prayer letter from the Nettervilles. We saw it in each of the prayer letters. They talk about so many people coming to Christ, of reaching to somebody, their outreach and what they're trying to do. So the first point is, Real repentance comes from preaching God's Word, from the Gospel. The Gospel to get someone to saved and then the preaching of God's Word to help them to know how to live after they're saved. I don't know about how you are, but I end up having to repent daily. Okay. Because so many times I get caught with stinking thinking and I've got to line it up with what God says. Otherwise, it's the way of the world. And the book of Proverbs tells us twice in that book, and if you don't know why the verses, start reading in Proverbs 1, and before you get to Proverbs 31, you'll find it. Okay? There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the what? The end thereof are the ways of death. Multiple ways, same ending. Seems right, but if it's not based on God's word, it won't be right. Okay? Second way. Now that was that's that's the negative one, right? Don't you know that the Bible says on some have compassion making a difference and on others hating even the garment spotted by the flesh? Okay. 
Turn to Romans chapter 2. Tell me if you can, you, right off the bat, tell me what you think the second way God uses to bring about repentance. Romans chapter 2. Verse 1. Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest. For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that judgest doest the same, dost the same things. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to the truth against them which commit such things. And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things, and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the what? Goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? What is another means that God uses to grant repentance? The goodness of God, the blessing of God. You know something, it's much easier to repent to a God when you look at the blessings He brings in your life than it is to look and blame Him for everything that other people do to you or the choices you make yourself. God failed me, that person did. I've never got that, okay? Deal with somebody who turns around and they're so mad. Okay, They ruined their life and dealt with somebody. They ruined their life because of marijuana and they smoked all the time. They were high. It cost them jobs. And they said, but you don't know what happened to me. God let that person do this to me. And I asked the person, um, you've ruined your life and it's costing you your ability to be able to keep your own child because you're using drugs at that time. It was illegal, okay? And I said, do you want God to take away your free will? And person goes, well, no. And I said, so God allowed the free will to someone else in their sinful action caused you to be harmed. Don't blame God. Take it to the sinner. Got to understand God's blessing. Isaiah 30 and verse 18 says, And therefore will the Lord wait, that he may be gracious unto you. And therefore will he be exalted, that he may have mercy upon you. For the Lord is a God of judgment. Blessed are they that wait for him. The blessings of God, the goodness of God, leadeth thee to repentance. And so many times we, don't, we fail to recognize and to rehearse the blessing of God in our lives. If we quit blaming God and take responsibility for our own actions and then look at what God brought us through. Well, He didn't keep me from that happening. Did He bring you through it? Man, I've been out cut out of more cars than probably anybody in this building and I praise God for that. I've led people to the Lord in the hospital bed next to me. Okay? Knowing, okay, Lord, you put me there. And because you know what I told him? Whatever it takes. You know, don't we have a hymn we sing like that? Whatever it takes. That's what I'm willing to do. 
2 Peter 3 and verse 9, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. If you rehearse before unsaved people what God has done for you, they're going to go, I don't have that in my life. You know, the Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. Did he protect Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Or did he go through it with them? He protected them in it, didn't keep them from it. How many of you ever had to have a pillow with a mane? What sort of things are written aforetime are written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope? Daniel slept on a lion. He curled up, he could go to sleep, and he's not worried. You know, it's like, oh, if I go to sleep, I'm going to wake up dead. No, if you're saved, you're going to wake up what? Never facing death again. He was able to witness to the king. Both of the groups did. What did they learn? Why, what did Daniel and the three other Hebrew children go through before God could bless them? I mean, they ate nothing but an equivalent of split pea soup for a couple of years. Do you understand that? And God blessed them. See, they learned. So many times we get angry at God and we fail to remember the blessings of what He brings us through. You need to dwell on the blessings and it'll bring you to repentance because then you can get your heart right and quit blaming Him. I have to stop so many times to myself and say, Lord, forgive me. Thank you. Finish this verse for me. In everything... For this is what? Concerning you. Everything give thanks. How many of you know who Mendelssohn is? Famous German composer. Classical music. I guarantee you, if you've all heard, I don't care, as long as you're old enough to hear, you've heard it played sometime. Music that was composed by Mendelssohn. And he visited the Cathedral of Freiburg in Germany. He came in there, he visited because he'd heard that they had a great organ. And so he went into the organ loft and asked the organist there, who had control of the organ, if he could play that organ. The organist didn't know who he was. The organist in jealousy over his, for his instrument, you know, you be careful with that, okay? It's like if someone had a really, really expensive violin, they wouldn't let a kid come up and play it, right? We have a piano next door, and Andrew has a hard time keeping it tuned because kids go over and they go on the keys. You notice we don't let that happen over here? You know what we're doing? We're being jealous for the instrument. Okay? So that old organist, he, he was jealous for the instrument, and at first he refused to let him play. And afterward, 
he was prevailed upon and he allowed the great German composer to try. And he says, you can try to play the colossal thunderer of this cathedral. <laughs> Mendelssohn started playing. And after a few moments, in total amazement, he laid his hands upon the shoulders of the mu musician and exclaimed, Who are you? What is your name? He cries out, Mendelssohn. Oh, and can it be that I had nearly refused to let Mendelssohn play and touch this organ? You say, why do I give you that illustration? Because so many times we refuse to let God have his way in our lives because we're afraid of the outcome. Just like that organist, even though he's afraid, had to allow someone to touch this very valuable instrument to be able to hear the full beauty that it was capable of. Sometimes we need to understand and to realize that if we would let God do as he sees fit, the outcome would be much greater than anything we could have dreamed of. The blessings of God leadeth thee to repentance. Turn to Hebrews chapter 12. You know if I'm talking about what causes repentance and what God uses, you know I'd have to go to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 11 is called the, the Bible Hall of Fame of Faith. Okay? So chapter 12 starts with 11 in mind, and it says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of what? The testimony that they had, the way testimony God gave to them, a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight that in the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children, My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth who? Every son that he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. And that's what we need in our lives, child of God. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if you be without chastisement, you know what happens when you chasten a child? They'll go, you don't love me. You hurt me. I don't love you now either. If you've never heard that, eventually you will. Okay. You don't love me. You'd let me have. Oh, I'm going to chasten you. 
Sometimes I'm going to do it before you have a problem. Okay? That's the best way. But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we've had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection to the fa- unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our what? Prophet, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth what? Peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. The chastisement of God works in our lives. You know, little kids will continue to push with bad behavior against the boundaries that either you don't have or you establish. But once you establish the boundaries, they're much more secure because they don't know how to behave. So you establish it for them. You know what God did for you, child of God? He established some boundaries for you. And sometimes He's got to chasing you early so you can learn what the boundaries are so afterwards you can have produced in your life the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Hmm? Revelation 3.19 says, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Go to Psalm 94. Psalm 94. There we are. Verse 10. He that chastiseth the heathen, shall not he correct? He that teacheth man knowledge, shall not he know? The Lord knoweth the thoughts of man, that they are vanity. Blessed is the man whom thou chasteneth, O Lord, and teacheth him out of thy law. Why? that thou may givest him rest from the days of adversity until the pit be digged for the wicked. For the Lord will not cast off his people, neither will he forsake his inheritance. But judgment shall return unto righteousness, and all the upright in heart shall follow it. The chastisement of God leadeth thee to repentance. Sometimes we don't realize it, but there's a greater lesson learned behind the the woodshed than there is in the street. Even a child left to himself bringeth his not enough chastening early on. And then the cost is greater. The chastisement of God bringeth repentance. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 2 again. Our starting passage. You're going to hear this verse, verse, these verses enough times. You're going to get frustrated. How's that? Second Timothy two, verse twenty-four. And the servant of the Lord must not what strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient. 
in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may be recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. One of the fruits of repentance is liberty from the one who wants to put you in bondage. Okay? You don't realize it at the time. But you know what happens? The devil says, you ought to be able to do what you want. You ought to be able to do what you want. You ought to be able to do what you want until what you want to do becomes a chain around your wrists and your feet and around your neck. When I read that passage, every time I, I think of Dickens' A Christmas Carol, and they show Jacob Marley coming in with his thing of gold chained to him, and he's chained forever. He was in bondage to that thing. And that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. Look at chapter 4 of the same book. Verse 1. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick, that's the live, the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all what? Long-suffering and doctrine. The ecumenical church of today throws out doctrine, says can't we all come together in Christ's love, and they have no idea what Christ's love is because it's a Bible doctrine. And it's not the same as the world's love. So they get disappointed because they don't think God loves them, right? Because he gives the, they didn't get what they thought they deserved. They don't understand real love will restrain. It'll protect you from the snares of the devil. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. You know what God will use sometimes to bring about repentance? The reproof of another Christian. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. You're no friend if you aren't willing to tell the person, please don't step out in the road. You didn't see that car coming. Right? You're no friend if you don't want to wake the neighbor up because you, you have to drive by and you saw smoke coming out a window. And you say, well, well, they're resting. I don't want them upset with me. It's too late tonight. I won't wake them. Well, that's the way some people act. If you love somebody, you ought to tell them where they're headed. You're not responsible for their repentance. You're responsible for reproving them in it. But there's a difference. If you're going to reprove another Christian, you better not be censorious. If you don't know what that word is, Look it up. Hmm? No, I'm just kidding you. Addicted to censure. Blaming or finding fault and condemning as wrong. 
severe in making remarks on others. It's an adjective, censorious. We turn around and we censor them and we condemn them, but we don't carry them. As a noun, censoriousness is a disposition to blame and to condemn. See, now I read to you Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. What's verse 2 say? Bearing one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. And what I say with that? The reproof of another Christian should come from a Christian who's also willing to help you bear the burden. Don't correct if you won't bear it with them. Do you hear me? And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. Four ways God will work to grant you repentance through the preaching of the gospel. Amen? Preaching of God's word from the blessings of God from the chastisement of God and from the reproof of other Christians. And all God's people said? Amen. Good night and God bless.